0: Um, My name is Trevor Kiernander I am a painter, artist, living in Montreal Moved back uh, here in 2014 after spending seven years in uh, London, England
1: Hi, this is Marks and you're listening to Into This Into This is my podcast, welcome to it In this podcast, I interview people involved in the contemporary arts and today I have a conversation with painter Trevor Kiernander. Trevor is originally from Mississauga, Ontario, but now he lives and works in Montreal. For his undergrad, he actually went to Concordia University in painting and drawing, and he also has an MFA from Goldsmiths University of London. His work is part of different private and public collections and he has participated in different solo and group exhibitions all around North America, Europe, Asia. Trevor was the mastermind, or at least one of the masterminds, behind the citywide festival of painting called Pictura that is happening right now actually in Montreal. And for more information on this, please visit the website. It's picturamtl.com. So you can check out the schedules, and the venues, and the, and the different artists that are involved in this really great initiative. Alright, so I'll, I'll get back to Trevor in a minute. Before, I just want to say that this is the longest break we have taken from making the podcast. And it's obvious that the world has changed since the last time we posted an episode, which was probably back in the summer of 2019. Since then, we have all gone through really weird times in 2020, and I don't think there's a need for me to revisit any of that. But what I wanted to say today is that I hope that everybody is getting the support you need, whether it is financial or emotional or any other way. I hope everybody's faring okay with all of this. And if not, you should reach out to somebody. I think now more than ever, uh, people are more receptive to perhaps have a conversation about mental health. And, you know, I think in that sense, the pandemic has been a, a great equalizer. And it's, it's interesting because in this conversation, at the almost at the end of it, Trevor and I get into this really personal conversation about that specific topic, mental health, and the challenges that we both have experienced with it. And I thought the timing to post this episode, I think it was it was great, especially also now that there's perhaps a light at the end of the tunnel with all the approvals of, of all the vaccines that are coming up. And um, it starts to look like there's an answer for these things. I would still encourage people to be careful, especially now that we're moving into the holidays. But um, yeah, I hope everybody's being careful. Right. So. I called Trevor recently. That was in the summer of uh, 2020. I called him to to check on him and see how he was doing and to get his perspective as an artist of all of this emergency and stuff. So first, I'm going to play a short conversation we had over Zoom. And apologies for the Zoom quality sound. And I'll talk to you right after that. This has been a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a so it it was a we we met to record in February 2019. It's been like February over a year. 19. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, shit okay, yeah, a lot's and, happened and since <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it. it It was insane, everything that happened. And and I don't know how much more we can actually add to the conversation, you know? Like, I don't know how much more nuance we can give to the fucking COVID. I don't think we need to. Uh, I think people have had enough of that. And I'm actually happy to be able to bring a different conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, But I would be in fault if I don't ask you how are you doing with it?
2: How how's it treating you? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually because listening back to um to to what we had uh recorded like well over a year ago, talking about the theme for Pictura and how we, we weren't we hadn't established one because yes. we thought, well, you know, who knows what's gonna happen in yeah. you know in the next year. It could change everything and well, yeah, look at look at what's happened. It's insane. I do remember that part of the conversation when when you said like, "Well, we don't
1: have a theme yet because you know uh, whatever happens now in six months, it may be totally irrelevant."
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And look at us. And look the way the way things are going right now, I mean, uh, something could change overnight. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it's definitely. you know, uh, I mean, for for me, I guess to answer your question, um. Since we spoke last, I've I've been to I spent three another three months in Germany. Uh, when I came back, um, I started a I started working a part time job actually for a Focad Canal, uh, working uh, making stretchers and stuff. Um, and you know that's kind of carried me through into the into the new year. And when we um, when the whole sort of COVID thing hit, um, we stopped. We obviously stopped working because we were a, a non-essential service, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so then that allowed me to collect the uh, the CERB, right? Um, which was actually pretty amazing because we were still allowed to go to the studio. Uh, our studio building was still open because um, I guess it was technically considered um, a private business. Um, So we were allowed to to keep working.
1: Talking about mental health and all of that, I, I thought that it was a really great part of of the conversation. So I, I wanted to touch base about that with you in terms of, you know, have you been okay with the COVID thing and all of that? Are you are you dealing okay with it?
2: Yeah, I mean it's, um, you know, I think I think if anything, just you know, I mean it's, it's like what you know what I was saying when we had the chat before. Like I think the the interesting thing with, with being on antidepressants is it kind of, it, it doesn't allow you, or at least, you know, my experience with them is, is you know, it's, uh, I, I can get overwhelmed with mm-hmm. things, but I still, you know, I'm able to kind of like retain like a level of, of composure. And, uh, you know, I don't, um I mean, you know, I still get stressed out about things and, you know, I, you know, I've got, I do have a lot on my plate, but um, I just, I find I'm able to sort of deal with it without without getting crazy, I guess.
1: <laughs> no, that makes sense. And and what I've been saying to to some friends when we talk about this, because they, they also sort of like check on me. So, you know, I also deal with that. Um, yeah. yeah. What I've been saying is that it, to me, it just felt like, people were going to be able to understand better how it is to be anxious because people were feeling that, you know, for some people that's, for the first time, for yeah, the first time, it kind of like felt like, oh, shit, like things are out of my control, you know.
2: It's so funny you say that because that, that makes me think about just being an artist, right? you know, and that that those are like just anxieties that I've, you know, I've lived with for, you know, however long it's like, yeah. it's uh, And it, it's weird because those weren't, like, I guess my anxieties were, you know, I don't want to get sick. You know, mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have like, uh, you know, asthma and other sort of health stuff. And, you know, I'm just like, I, you know, so I'm taking extra precautions, yeah. with, you know, all that sort of stuff. But in terms of like the anxiety that comes with not knowing when you're going to get work or pay, it's like, well, I'm just used to that. It's, you know, I've gone those six to eight, 12 months without any income. You know, right. it's like, I I, I know how to get by. And so to have the the CERB, it's just like, wow, I, I know this is coming in, you know? I mean, it, it helps too that, um, you know, that I was able to go back to work sooner than, than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, for the first time, I was like, and I think it makes a, a great case for universal basic income, like you know, which mm. is a it could be a whole other podcast. No, yeah, <laughs> we need another two hours for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just just that that level of of comfort um, is, it was enough mm. to just know that you know, okay, uh, the only thing I really have to worry about is making sure I you know keep my face covered, wash my hands and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wash my groceries.
1: Right. Hey, it's Marks again. So I think it's going to be also very interesting to see how the arts change, you know, depending on how things go with treatments and, and as I said, vaccines of of all of this virus. It's going to be really interesting to see how the art galleries and the art community evolves and, and adapts to this. I know that in Montreal specifically it's been, it's been challenging these days, since the restrictions or guidelines are affecting different type of venues in a different way, so anything that has to do with uh, public funding I think is restricted, but I don't think that um, private galleries or you know, commercial galleries are that affected by this in terms of when can people visit and all of that, I'm not completely sure. I know that in Toronto everything is shut down, uh, but yeah, so it's it's been chaotic. And I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see in the new year how things evolve and how can we try to get back to what we know and what we all need which is you know human interactions anyways so now we're gonna jump back to February of 2019 back when COVID was not in the radar and um, different times and different topics um, in this conversation we get into a number of topics including the importance of creating really great relationships with your artist peers and people involved in the arts, as well as the most important aspects of the MFA, according to Trevor, and uh, a lot more topics. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And so this is Trevor and me talking back in Montreal in the garage. Yeah, I think the levels are pretty good, actually. It's uh, Cool. It worked. Um... But yeah, so I I wanted to start thanking you for coming in a really cold day <laughs> to the garage. No this is, worries. It's a little chilly in here, but um, you know it should be fun. Yeah,
0: it be no, fun. it's good. It's uh,
1: it's cozy. Something I never asked you really is like, w- w- where are you from, and you know, where do you start your career?
0: Uh, well, I was born in Mississauga, Ontario. Okay. Um, we moved to Cambridge, Ontario, in '87. I was 12. A lot of families were doing that at the time, I guess, because Cambridge was like this small, um, this small sort of town right off of uh, the 401. And so a lot of families in the 80s started to move out of the Toronto sort of surrounding areas. Um, Just, you know, I ended up meeting a lot of people who were actually from places like Mississauga and Etobicoke and stuff. And their families all sort of moved out to Cambridge because. The 401 was there, families could keep working in, uh, in you know, in Toronto area. Right. Like my dad w- w- worked in a warehouse in um, in Mississauga or Meadowvale, one of those sort of uh-huh. smaller places. And uh, yeah, we moved out to uh, to Cambridge. And at the time, I, re- I remember at the time, like we were really resentful. We're like, why are we moving to this hick town? Like, what the hell? And... Um, I think the population was like 66,000 around there okay, in okay. 87. And now it's like 200,000. For it's, sure. It's just yeah. constant. Like every time we go back, it's like there's like a new development.
1: Yeah. I mean, bit, uh, people seem to be moving out of Toronto a lot. Like, for instance, Hamilton as well. I think oh, it's yeah, getting lots back of people going, to be populated.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, I think a lot of big cities are like that because it's just getting too expensive.
1: Right. That as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, Toronto is the the examples of Toronto, Vancouver. It's just really hard to live there.
0: Yeah. Montreal is, you know, creeping into that sort of territory,
1: which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's interesting to me how Montreal has survived for so long without being extremely gentrified as a city itself you know what i mean yeah and i guess it has to do with the government that Absolutely, is very protective yeah. of that but um yeah it, it's great for us still yeah <laughs> no, great are... for artists yeah exactly specifically for artists
0: like for friends and you know artists and that in toronto you hear about them you know they pay double what we're paying for Absolutely. studios and apartments and yeah
1: Let's go back. So, uh, yeah, cool. y- your dad used to work in a warehouse. You said, what "Yeah, was his worked, job, for, um,
0: worked for uh, National Grocers, which okay. is the big sort of like Provigo. Right. uh Loblaws, yeah. No Frills, I all see, that I see. stuff." I mean, it was part of the biggest layoff in like Canada at the time. Oh, they okay. shut down that main, that big, uh, that big factory or that oh, okay. big warehouse. I um, yeah, I think I can't really remember, but. I know there was like, uh, like massive job losses. Oh shit! Um, okay. What about your mom? Uh, my mom, she worked in a department store. Uh, when we moved to Cambridge, she was working at Zellers, mm-hmm. um, and then that became a Target, mm-hmm. and uh, she wasn't working at Target. <laughs>
1: right. 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 So yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to find a connection to your beginnings
0: in the uh, in the arts. Yeah, in the <laughs> arts. So how was that? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it started. I was always drawing. Okay. And okay. my parents picked up on that, and uh, yeah, like a, they. I remember being in like an arts and craft program instead yeah. of nursery school, and um, it was just encouraged, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's side, especially, is a very sort of diverse family, and we uh, we were, family gatherings were always a good time, very fun, and you know, lots of music being played. And, yeah. But I get. I think I was probably when I think about it, I might have been like the cousin that did the art. Right. Okay. Um, okay. And then when I was in school, I was. The kid making the cartoons, doing the, you know, the comics for the class newspaper. Right. Things like that. So that
1: came natural to you that that was yeah, your that I was just enjoyed that you it. could do it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting uh, part of, of these conversations because, you know, what you hear is, you know, I, I saw this person or this is my influence or something. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting when it comes from within, like that, that there's that's the thing that you can do. Yeah. And then you take it on and, and then, you know, continue with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, I've got friends who are still artists and that's exactly how they started. Right. They were doing, uh, they were the ones drawing and doing all that stuff. Doing that
2: stuff, yeah. So,
1: so you're drawing the comics for the high school newspaper and all that stuff. And then the decision to, okay, so maybe I need to go to school to pursue this career or something. How did that come to you?
0: Yeah, well... About halfway through high school, um, well, we had so we had moved in '87, so I hadn't started high school. But at that time, there was a lot of change because uh, where I went to school in Mississauga. We went to grade five, and then junior high was grade six to eight, and I left partway through grade seven. So then I had to go to a brand new school in a new city for a year and a half. So that was a big change, and then that big change was to go to high school. Right. I was there for a year and a half, and uh, I mean, I did well academically, Mm -hmm. but about halfway through maybe a lot of teenagers are like that sure. but I was just like what's the point in all this I was getting into music I enjoyed the art classes that I was taking yeah. math as well right after that it wasn't sort of I mean it wasn't like encouraged in the sense that like parents were like oh yeah you know take art after school it was you know it was probably because um my dad had been laid off from his job and yeah. he had to sort of go back to school for computers and things like that right but for for me as I wanted to do the art, right. and um, I ended after I graduated, uh, like my grade thirteen OACs. I did do a year of computers. Um, I would have been like ninety five Conestoga College. It was a um, just a year sort of introduction to computer systems or something like that. But uh, I still wanted to do art, and then kind of. There was a whole, I think it was something in the newspaper where there's was a big section on Sheridan College yeah. and people being able to get jobs at Disney doing animation. Sure. And that was uh, that was kind of something where, you know, peaked the, my the dad's interest. into He was like, oh, you can get a job working for Disney. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, why not? So I went to Sheridan okay. That's, uh, and that was... Awesome. That was really... Like, we were doing... um, I took the art fundamentals class first. Right. And in there, you learn how to draw, how to paint um, properly. Okay. Like, we were having... um, Proper drawing classes, uh, you know, life drawing, right. object drawing, things like that, like but, learning but how is, to see and how to draw.
1: This is uh, towards drawing animations and stuff, or in general? This is like this, a general the class. The Art Fundamentals yeah.
0: program was sort of a survey of art design, I guess you right. could say. So after you've taken the Art Fundamentals, you could stream into either animation or illustration. Right. By the time I was sort of through the Art Fundamentals, I wanted to do the illustration program mm-hmm. and that again, continued with, you know, probably like 30 hours a week of life drawing okay. and, you know, we'd have like a four, like two, four hour classes during the day. And then a bunch of us would get together and have after like evening life drawing classes, we ended up going in on the weekends, just something that we really liked doing. Right. Right. And, um, and it was funny cause I took the illustration program, uh-huh. but, I just didn't want to do illustration. I ended up spending a lot of my time in the um, in the library, right. just looking up painters and <laughs> l- art. Right. You know, <laughs> my teachers were. You know, I'm glad they were honest, but they had said, "Your it works really good. Right. You're not going to get work doing it." It's uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, well, that's okay, because I don't really want to be doing illustration. Uh-huh. I want to kind of, I want to paint. Right. And, um...
1: Because this is still with the idea of the Disney thing and, like, doing illustrations for this kind of work. Well, actually, and, like,
0: the D- the yeah. Disney thing faded. Okay, and I was, okay. I didn't want to, you know, do <laughs> that. But, you know, illustration and going into sort of interpretive uh, editorial il- il- illustration, you can yeah. still get lots of work. Yeah. Um, and so that was still, you know... A happy medium. Sure. And while I was there, uh, Canada Post put out a stamp set of the automatiste painters. Okay. Um, And uh, that was one of the things that got me, you know, researching painting. And, you know, reading, uh, like, Refuse Global, their manifesto. Yeah, 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 um, And so that was always in the back of my mind. It's like, this right. is, cana- like, really great Canadian painting. Yeah. I mean, it was the same with, like, Painters 11 and going to the AGO at the time when I was in Toronto. And painters like Jack Bush, that, you know, really stood out for me. And I went back to Cambridge, Ontario after I graduated. Actually, I was already back there living because... Um, I just wasn't doing well, I guess like mentally and emotionally okay, in on okay. in at the school. And I was yeah. just kind of I just kind of spent a lot of time coming back home. Sure. And there was an art center that opened up in Cambridge and I sent them a, you know, a CV and got a job and started the children's art program there. Huh. And while I was doing that, because it was such a big brand new space, I ended up being able to you know, use part of it as a studio sometimes right. and I'd get, you know, do my own thing. Um, and then I ended up having an exhibition there and I was just really enjoying that whole sort of experience. And so for from sure. there, I thought, you know, I I should think about taking this further. Right. And then I had a, I was speaking to another friend, Jamie, she had actually been at Concordia for a year. Mm-hmm. And we were speaking on the phone. We ran into each other at a local club or something. And she was saying, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm at Concordia. Montreal's amazing. You know, the the art school or, you know, she's talking about the classes. And then she's saying, yeah, and I have this abstract painting teacher, Francois Sullivan. Uh-huh. And I was like. Because I remember reading about Francoise and Refuse Global right, and I was exactly. like, all right, I'm sold. I'm <laughs> applying to Concordia <laughs> yes. and I'm going to study, you know, I'm going to make sure I study with Francoise. Yeah, yeah. so I did that. I applied to three three programs, painting and drawing, studio arts, and I think maybe art education at the time Okay, because I was doing the kids thing. and But I got into painting and drawing and I moved to Montreal. Awesome. What kind of
1: work were you doing back then? When you started painting more like, say,
0: you know, full-time, say?
2: Yeah. Well, not, I mean, maybe not was... full-time,
0: but, you know, while you were working in the, at the Yeah, center,
2: yeah,
1: right?
0: yeah. It was simple abstraction right. in the way. I mean, I say simple, like, I guess, mean, uneducated, but, you know, really into texture and this and that. And uh-huh. I was really inspired by Basquiat at the time. Sure. I had friends that were at, uh, I was at Sheridan with who we were really big into graffiti as yeah. well. Yeah. And... Yeah, just moved in that sort of way. I was painting on a lot of found wood and things like that. But it was
1: abstraction at the end. See, so it was abstract work what it you were was, doing from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. It was
0: like it was something coming from right. you know it was like an emotional thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. For me. Yeah, yeah. So you never had a, a period of figuration, never. Was, I did actually. Oh, yeah.
0: Did? When I was at Concordia, mm-hmm. that's okay. kind of well it was when I started to learn, you know, about art properly. Right. Not just the commercial side of things with illustration. Yeah. Um, I was using those skills that I got from Sheridan and putting them into projects yeah. at at Concordia. Right. Um, and it was uh, David Elliott's painting and pop culture class where I first started, well, using oil paint, but we ha- I can't remember the exact project, but I started uh, painting from photos. Okay. And that went into this sort of project that he did for quite some time, actually, where it was taking sort of isolating parts of photos, whether it was figures or objects, and painting them in grayscale on a single color background. Right. Because for me, I, I was interested in painting. Like, I guess, you know, if I think about it, people who are, they think they're painting abstract. They're all always into, oh, you know, like, yeah, like the texture and stuff. Like so early kind of, you know, before you know any better. And then, but I was really interested in how sort of that was all coming together as right. a, I was interested in that relationship right. between the figure and the ground. Right, okay. And I was working with that project for for some time, got picked up by Art Muir, right. uh, Gallery Art Muir. While
1: you were in school at Concordia?
0: My first show with them was 2007. Yeah. My last year at Concordia. Nice. So along the
1: way somewhere in Concordia when you were doing all your studies, you decided that you wanted to pursue
0: an MFA. It was funny that way because I I didn't think I wanted to. Uh-huh. And I was um enjoying working in the yeah. studio. Yeah. Um That project, me working with the, sort of that figure ground whole thing, that's where, that's what I was really interested in. I was, you know, and so, yeah, I think at the time I, you know, I did find something that I was, that I could, I could speak about. Yeah. You know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing really, I guess. Well, I mean, I I did. That sort of changed when I went to London. The MFA, which we'll we'll get into. But, um, yeah, I was working at a gallery um, on Green at the uh-huh. time, and I was working there with uh, a couple of friends, uh, Ben and Ufouk, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually the—it's the gallery that b- became Division. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: then we talked about this with uh, Ben. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Story. So
0: I was working there, and I don't know what it was, I think just the deadline was coming up and I thought, no, maybe I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I, I had a project, you know, I had work that I had been doing that I guess had been deemed successful by certain people. Right. Um, And I thought, you know what, I should apply for grad school and see what happens. I chose the UK. Right. um, Schools in the UK because I had a British passport Mm. because, um, Something else, uh, my dad was born in India Okay. Um, as a British subject. His, his parents were born there, parents before that. Right. Um, so I had a British passport. So it was kind of, you know, a bit of a no-brainer. It's like, well, I could take advantage of this. Here's an opportunity to go somewhere for sure. different. For sure. Um, and I mean, I had applied, I had set up applications for a bunch of uh, schools in the UK, like... Uh, Slade RCA I'm sure Um, and I had a couple that I wanted to apply to in New York as well right not Canada Um, (laughs) how come I wanted something bigger Uh uh-huh uh-huh you know bigger or different or bigger different yeah Yeah, well not I guess bigger isn't isn't the word something different right Right. and uh, I mean going to a Canadian school I mean Canadian schools are great you get I mean I think Probably most of friends who have gone to do an m f a in Canada aren't in debt <laughs> right yeah exactly <laughs> because the the Canadian institutions uh, have money you right. know you get uh you get teaching experience while you're doing yeah. your studies you get you usually get funded yeah you at get least and you get paid yep. for those yeah you get none of that at goldsmith's mm-hmm. um, but it was you know why not let's do it, sure. Sure. And um my partner and I at the time were like, let's just do it. She nice. had a British passport as well. Okay. She's an artist as well? She wasn't She was. Yeah. Um right. not anymore. Right. But yeah, we met at at Concordia. Sure. Yeah. So it was, you know, within two weeks I found out I could go and didn't have to um bother applying to any yeah. other schools. Yeah. Because I like goldsmiths for sure. I'm, you know, one of my Top choices, or if not the top choice. Nice. And so I saved myself like seven or eight hundred dollars because back then you were still having to send slide carousels to Columbia and stuff Uh like that. Uh What? (laughs) But no, it was great. Um, I got let go of the job that I was working at, ended up collecting unemployment, had my show at Art Mirror. So it was. It's kind of you know really good sort of thing, one right after the other uh-huh. and uh, moved to London. Wow, 2007.
1: Yeah, that's a change for sure. I mean, in terms yeah. of culture, in terms of
0: financial. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say like London is pretty expensive.
0: Oh, uh, I stayed the first three weeks I was there when I was when I moved there. I was staying with a couple of friends, Sunshine and Ben. And actually, Sunshine was from uh, Concordia as well. We we worked together at on our on Art Matters, and she was studying at Goldsmiths, too. And so I stayed with them for a few weeks. One of the first places we went to was uh, um, Wagamama, this ramen noodle place. Uh-huh. And I think with the exchange rate at the time was like 2.2 to the dollar. Something right. I paid like $19 for a bowl of ramen. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not going to last here. How am I going to make it work? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shit. But you do.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, So, how long were you there for? I was in London for seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you finished your master's.
0: I, yeah, finished my master's, got hit with the, uh, that whole MFA curse that you break up with your partner. Uh huh. Um, I think everybody I knew ended up, getting broken up unless they're already married or something
1: (laughs) it it doesn't fit anymore in the equation of your (laughs) discover who you are and you're like oh shit you're not here you're not in it i don't
0: know i think it's just a very stressful time right for sure you know i was losing my mind almost every other day
1: so during your mfa uh during during this time there um what was the most important thing that you took from your mfa uh, process you know what, what, what was the thing that you say you know what if it's worth for one thing is for this
0: yeah like what is that definitely the the connections you make with okay. people sure um I mean that's something that I like regardless yeah you know going out meeting sure. people and doing this and that but definitely that was one of the best things um I think you know possibly get it, uh, any MFA, but what was nice about London is it's such a very international city and I made great friends from all over the world, mm-hmm. Korea, Germany, yeah. Thailand, yeah. America, you know. Sure. And because of that, you know, I've been able to show in places like Germany and mm-hmm. Moscow and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's it's such Definitely. a, it's just such a great... Uh, great experience i mean you know it's an expensive networking uh tool but uh, a really good one nonetheless that's great
1: that's interesting that you choose that as the most important aspect of your mfa but i think it's i, mean, I think you're it's, it's very um it it's it's comes down to community it's yeah you
0: know it, it's a networking community right. it's you know you've you built you build a community through networking
1: because i think you see this in any other let's call it industry if you know somebody the door it's going to be kind of easier for you to access yeah. rather if you don't know anybody, you know, in that area. So it's, it's all about the networking. It's all about the connections. And I feel like it's a natural thing to do, you know, to work with the people that you know, to yeah. w- work with the people that you can uh, have a, a connection with beyond what we're talking about, yeah. you know. I, I think it's really interesting that you choose that as a as a main point of of the masters.
0: I give a talk to um a drawing teacher I had at Concordia, Lise Laurent, invites me in every summer to her summer class. Yeah. I go in, I've been in every summer since coming back to Montreal. And one of the things I, t- I say to them, because it's they they do this project on sort of the industry. They have to go research spaces, they have to go and get information on galleries and things like that and then they have to put on their own show. Right. It's it's quite, it's a great project that she runs and um I come in and I talk about sort of my experience. Yeah. And one of the things that I say and I you know it's it's important that students, well, artists get out there and mm-hmm. Just do that. Meet people. Yeah, you know, it's it is hard to to get to all the openings, and sure, I, I wish I could do everything, but oh, I sure. you know I can't, and I go to a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. You can sit in your studio and just be like, I'm going to focus on my work. But somebody needs to know that you're making that work. Yeah, and yeah. somebody also needs to know that you're an artist. If if that's what you want to be, if you want to be an artist, showing your work, well, you need to people you need, need a PI to know team. that.
1: And you need to be your PR team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure.
0: So you go to go to the galleries. You, I mean, Montreal is, is small enough sure. that, um, you know, if you go to a handful of openings a month, you're going to see most of the same people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, then you start to talk to them, get to know them. Then eventually you'll get to know the gallery directors because sure. they're always there. Sure. And for the most part, they're, from what my experience is, everyone's extremely friendly. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there's always that underlying um, power dynamics that yeah, exist, they yeah, exist yeah. and you have to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know. But um, so what we're talking about here is basically what we can call perhaps being a quote-unquote like professional artist. Yeah. But in terms of your work, in terms of the art, um, what can you rescue from that? From that experience of the MFA, just understanding it, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, through what? Through conversations? Through critics?
0: Yeah, uh, critics. all of that. Yeah. The good thing about the Great thing about the Goldsmiths program is you're given the time mm-hmm. to make your work and figure it out. Yeah. You know? yeah. one of the one of the first questions is why Why are you a painter? Right. Uh, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> and some people freak out. For sure. They're like, "Oh my god, maybe I'm not supposed to be a painter," uh-huh. and then they start making videos or something. And, <laughs> but it's just me. Like, I can't. I can't go a week without painting. It, uh-huh. I just start to sort of, you know, uh-huh. have have fits. <laughs> but and it's not, you know, not in this romantic way. It's, I. It's just something that. I need to. It's 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 an extension of me, right. and if if that part is lacking, yeah, then you're not going to feel well, right?
1: Um, let's uh let's shift gears here, and uh, like I, I wanted to know a little bit about your. Um, you have a project. You have a project that you're working on for twenty twenty. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, um, I'm in the process of putting together a citywide. Yeah. Painting festival, I guess you could say um, that sort of came came to mind. Um, my friend uh, Ian Guncharov, we studied together at Goldsmiths. He then went on to teach in Moscow. Mm-hmm. He's running a program or running a platform called Painting at the End of the World. Mm-hmm. He does a writing essays, interviews, things like that. And he started to curate shows. Right. And I was thinking this would be a really great thing to, to bring to Canada, you know, to bring to Montreal at least. You know, there's a lot of people. I mean, Montreal is a very – has a really strong history of painting. Yeah. I mean, Quebec, Canada, but Montreal especially. Like there's sure. a lot of painters and a lot of painting going on in the city. There always has been. And I just thought, you know, this is – this is a really great thing. And, you know, it'd be great to have you come to come to Canada and and do this. And, you know, as the same with like my dinner plans, when somebody comes to town, I turn it into a party. I was just like, (laughs) well, you know, maybe we can turn this into something massive and we can have other shows happening. And Then I remembered that uh, Ben Klein, um, who was my studio mate until he moved to New York last year, um, he had put on Extreme Painting with Mm -hmm. uh, René Blouin and a few spaces um, in 2010. And I guess previous to that, René had also done a a similar sort of project called Painter Painter, I believe. Um, And uh, I thought, why don't we try and do like a 2.0? It's, you know, I thought... 2020 is is far enough away that we can have galleries bookmark that that period of time sure. for a painter. Yeah. Um and we'll just have every space show painting mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. Um sort of like yeah, celebration of painting, whatever, you know. Uh we haven't co- we don't have a theme yet. Um okay. I was actually just talking to Ben the other day about it and um made like a really good point. Like the state of things in the world right now are so <laughs> absolutely insane yeah. that we could come up with a theme or some sort of idea and it would be completely irrelevant 6 mm-hmm. months later absolutely and so we're we're still working on that but um but yeah i mean i've approached most of like the contemporary spaces mm-hmm. in Montreal and they all seem to be on board for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken with the GAC, yeah. uh, the gallery association, yeah. um, and they've uh, expressed their support. Um, and I'm also looking to, to get into other spaces, not just the commercial ones. So like uh, Guido Molinari foundation, yeah. Yeah. Um, the darling, some of the Maison de la cultures. It, yeah. um, you know, I've, Putting out the feelers and hopefully, you know, everybody will get in, get involved. And I'd like to also, you know, fingers crossed, we get some funding for it. Sure. But I'd really like to put uh, together um, a publication for this. Yeah. This book would also sort of stand as, mm-hmm. you know, a nice volume of the art spaces in yeah. Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, paintings just dear to my heart. Silly as it sounds, it's just it's it's me. It's what I do, yeah. and I just think, like I said, there's some really fantastic things going on in painting, and it's not it's not even just painting anymore. Like painting has taken so many. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. It's like right. the fingers have just kind right. of gone out, and uh, I just really want to see what uh, you know what can happen, and so all the the spaces are up to their, you know, it's to their own discretion what they're going to show. I mean, hopefully we'll have like some sort of consensus mm. yeah that people mm-hmm. will you know okay you should maybe show this this right. artist instead of this one but there will be like some thematic with which to yeah. hopefully follow by yeah, yeah and um yeah and with the curated shows and you know like more of the independent spaces like tap right. you know hopefully they'll be showing more cutting edge things that you sure. might not see at the commercial level yeah yeah, yeah. and uh just to get like a nice a nice slice of what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most attractive parts of an idea like that that it would really allow you to grasp in say a week or in your visits around the different spaces what's going on with painting in the city locally and i think that's you know that's hard to get otherwise unless you're like super active and visiting studios all the time or something but for you know general public and even artists like that is a really great opportunity to see what's going on and to put a like a something that is more substantial and something more structured in your mind. Say like, oh, this is a movement. Yeah. Or this is the thing that is going on, you know. Yeah. Or or no. Or like everybody's doing something different, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, so, exactly. And yeah.
0: and I think too, it would be important to have um like extended conversations exactly. about this. Yeah. So you yeah, know, yeah. one of the one of the things that I would really like for the spaces to do is to host talks. Right. There's so many Openings that you go to, and it's just an opening. You go in, you have wine, you talk to everybody, and then you see the work, and that's it. And then, perhaps, then six perhaps, weeks late,
1: perhaps see the work. Yeah, sometimes you don't even yeah, do that. Yeah, you got to go like, back again yeah, and see yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The
0: openings are, are great to hang out and see people, but you don't usually no. get a chance yeah, to really hard. view the work. Yeah, but to um, you know to to extend that sort of dialogue and to sure. have talks where the the painter, or the artist himself, will have a day or an afternoon where they'll, they'll be at the space to talk about the work and whether they have a conversation with a critic or somebody like that. Yeah. And to give more to the, I guess the community, the, the larger community, um, an understanding of what's going on in yeah. the painting not yeah. just like you know oh why you know like i guess you know, i guess you, you end up getting some questions like oh how is this painting sure. or or why is this in this gallery you know and valid is valid yeah, i think exactly yeah, and, sure. get, and getting you know getting some good conversation out of yeah. it and yeah. hopefully people from the you know from the bigger community will feel okay to ask questions too absolutely i think in my very personal
1: view uh, what these conversations um, allow for the greater public to understand is who the person is, where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think that informs a lot of the work. Yeah, and yeah. so you don't see the work the same when you know a little bit more about the artist. Yeah, Not only about the work itself, but about the person who made it and like the circumstances and context. Yeah. I think that's really rich for you to say, okay, I'm going to see this work in a different light. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think that's you should, you should pursue that. <laughs> I think
0: it's no. I'm yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's feet are on the ground and running right now. Nice, so nice, we'll just nice. kind of see, yeah, see what happens in the coming months. Oh,
1: um, One of the things that I I always kind of like leave to the end because I forget, and usually we get like to wrap in the conversation is let's talk about your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't really done that. Um, so as, as we were brushing at the beginning, so it's abstract yeah. paintings, what you do. So how do you like talking about this? When you said that you, when you were in your MFA, that was one of the things that you got more comfortable with doing, which is talking about your work and all that. You know, how do you start talking about it?
0: Um, the MFA helped me understand and speak more confidently about, about my work, understand it. And, but at the time, at the same time too, it, it also, you know, really kicked my ass. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean I was doing the figurative work when I came to, when I went to London and Goldsmiths and, you know, I was, I did realize that at at some point it's like, it's the, it's not about these figures. It's Uh about the paint. Uh And, um, so I stopped making the figures, um, looked more into sort of abstraction and landscape and how you know developing this kind of space. And then I'd bring the figure in a little bit here and there, but it was more ab- an abstracted way of of having the figure in there. And yeah, just it's just become, I guess a you know an exploration of space. Yeah. Um, and now it's much more abstract. And I think a lot, a lot of it, you know, is, is intuitive. Um, I'm sort of trying to build something comfortable for myself to, to be in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm influenced by like architecture and spaces sure. and music and things like that. And I just think it, it's kind of all, it all comes together in, in this painting, in, well, in the paintings that I'm, I'm making. And uh, in the last, so in the last year or so, I've been really pushing. Um, well, but it's almost—it's going to be like a couple of years now because um, it started, I guess, in when I did a residency in Vermont in 2017 in April, uh, 2017, and um, you know, I thought I was, you know, making sort of big strides since moving back from England, uh, mm-hmm. and. Whereas the work used to all be contained within the edge of the canvas, like nothing left. So it was always, you know, always maintained this flatness. And um and then, you know, just started using a lot more color, a lot more, you know, gestures that were, you know, leaving the canvas and stuff like that. And I had a couple of visits uh with with visiting artists at uh in Vermont, and both of them had had said that, you know, your work still feels Tight, Like it's still sort of like they, like it's stuck in this, this space uh-huh. and I kind of thought about that when I got back and started working um, on multiple canvases at the same time and not in the sense that I make, you know, I'm working, I'm always working on like 10 paintings at the same time, but actually setting up, um, you know, like 10 canvases on the wall and working through them as like one big unit, Mm. and then working on them individually. And then it was at, uh, it was my show at uh, Maison des Arts de Laval. Uh And um, I was speaking with uh, Jasmine and Marie-Pierre from there about sort of my process. And I hadn't even really thought about exhibiting the paintings that way. But they were like, let's go for it. Let's, Uh and just like, well, hey, you guys are the curators uh-huh. and uh like yeah, let's let's do this. And I had already um painted some single like some monochrome panels and stuff and uh and just smaller canvases and things like that. And yeah, that was the first the first sort of uh Interesting. exhibition of those. Yeah. And um so I really got to thinking about that whole sort of process, you know. Working on the multiple pieces, you know, reconfiguring them, you know, how does that sort of relate to the space within each painting themselves, mm-hmm. but also the greater, the, the space that they're actually being seen in? Yeah.
1: So they're not serious, but you work on them as, as kind of like one project? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I, I've called them perspectives. Right, okay.
0: Because... um they are just yeah it's like a it's a way of seeing yeah um yeah it's just it's just kind of grown and um yeah we'll just kind of see where where it takes me i'm i'm really i really like experimenting right um just sort of letting things happen yeah, yeah. um I mean, obviously, not everything's good, and yeah, I know for sure. But it's you know, it, it takes time, and I'm you know, I'm really grateful that I'm in a position. You know, uh, space has been a big, big thing too. Because when I was in London, my studios were always quite small. Yeah, um, I mean, they're small, they're unheated, right? You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I think you know the work. You could just see it in the work. You could yeah. feel. You could feel that there was a something tight in the work, Sure. And I, I mentioned before, um, like undiagnosed mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah like I don't know I how much to, you want to
1: talk about that, but I'm. Oh,
0: like, no, you know. I'm Yeah, open with, with all that kind yeah. of stuff. But I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, I just kind of, I hit like a rock, rock bottom at one point. And okay. I, I guess I'd just been going too hard for too long. Right. And, uh, you know, I needed to go speak to somebody and ended up uh, going to counseling quite a bit. And yeah. Then, yeah. You know, um how did it come out
1: usually it was like anxiety or because oh it was depression depression yeah Yeah, so
0: you know been on antidepressants since and it's uh it's great yeah i mean i'm not like you know i don't pop on my candy but i really think that you know and it's it's a hard thing i think with with that because some people outright refuse you know they think that they can handle it yeah and some people think it's a weakness by by going to the doctor, accepting
1: it, and like yeah.
0: But that's I think is that's like the hardest thing I ever did. Yeah, that was like that was that was my strength was being able to say you know what I can't I can't do this on my own fuck it I need to you know get help. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And just I mean like speaking with uh, my friend Charlotte at the time, she's like you know you should really go and talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, And that first person I talked to, I didn't really talk to for like the, f- the, s- whatever they call it, this psychiatrist hour, which is like 50 minutes or something. It's yeah. like I like cried. Oh, wow. Almost like the whole time. I was just like, okay. couldn't even speak. It's just like, just being in a room with a total stranger who's there to listen. And I just bawled my eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, It was a crazy uh, experience and, um, you know, definitely had some ups and downs. Um, I had like my first big sort of anxiety or a panic attack or whatever. And that was all, that was kind of crazy. And, um, but yeah, but what was really great is just having friends there, Yeah, you know, having friends who were, you know, that kind of understood and could say, look, like, you need to do this, you, you know, or you should do this. Right. And um. yeah, and just, uh, just kind of t- taking a step back. Mm-hmm. I was signed off at of work and yeah. my friends were like, like, don't even go to the studio. Right. Like, they're like, you need to just stay at home, yeah. read a book, watch TV. Yeah. Don't don't go to the studio. That still work. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, sure. you know, you, you need a break from yourself. Yeah. And that's, you know. And it's funny, once I, once I, you know, went on the antidepressants and I got I had time to sit around and think, it's like, man, I mean, I'm kind of no regrets kind of thing in my life, but it's like, wow, I wonder, you know, what would have happened had oh, I always dealt yeah. with this. Yeah. yeah. Ten years ago, you know, fifteen years ago. So you
1: feel like it's it's a long time coming, yeah. For you, and it's
0: you know, and it was the the thing about it is that I feel like I am you know being on them. I'm like the best parts of me that I want to be, you know, that I want to have. I'm like I've got those things, right, right. And uh, and I mean, yeah. And then shortly after that, um, met Nancy on you know we met online. Right and uh, yeah and then that's that's
1: amazing. Then we amazing. got married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I I commend you for taking those steps towards you know making your case better on your own, which is not easy. Yeah, and exactly. There's all the fucking social taboo on these issues, right?
0: It's yeah, it's it it is a weird thing, and yeah. I mean, I guess you know, I never really thought of it as as that, but the fact that for so long, I didn't do anything about it. Right. Realize that actually that's how it manifests itself. It's like, you just think you can get through it. Yeah, exactly. You know? And yeah. you just, you actually just make yourself worse by fighting it when he's just like, no, I, you know, I'm I'm, just human You're and right. the um, brain works in a weird way let's uh let's just sort it out
1: i mean i feel like one of the misconceptions about all this is that you know when you talk to somebody that is going through something or you are going through it yourself you try to find a cause a trigger for this and sometimes there's nothing yeah sometimes it is actually the illness yep. that is like that is what is happening yeah it is my brain chemistry perhaps exactly. or it's something else you know so and And I think that that's one of the huge misconceptions that, oh, you are worrying too much about this or that. Like, no, it's it's no, sometimes, perhaps
0: it's it's true. But yeah but you also do worry about that because you are depressed. Of course, you're suffering from, you know, if you're hanging up too much on one thing, perhaps there's something there
1: beyond just that one specific thought. Oh, yeah, that is making you hang up to something. That's it. So yeah, it it, it is, I think it's it's a very tough process to to say. Yes, I, I think I am going through this. It's yeah. Something similar happened to me in grad school, actually. I never really experienced a panic attack ever in my life. Mm. So I had to go back to Mexico to be with my mom because she was getting surgery. And I guess the big, big, big um, event that happened before that, that I guess prompted me to that, it was the, the death of my father. Right. Mm. So like he died when my mom was going through the surgery. I guess that's kind of like came back mm. that fear. Right. Or something. And then. She was fine, everything went well. And then on my way back, I was still in Mexico. I was having lunch with one of my friends and I felt like I was going to fucking die. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm having a a, a heart attack. Yeah, I'm having a heart attack. And she freaked out and we didn't know what to do. So we went to the hospital and they also didn't know what to do with me because the doctor knew me and he was like, man, I I know you're not not stressed. You're, You're not going through any anxiety things. That's what he thought. And and he put me through like a freaking battery of tests, mm-hmm. like everything that you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I stayed at the hospital for five days. Whoa. And like, you know, it was crazy. It was like a crazy thing. Then he was like, I don't know what else to do with you. Like, I don't find anything. So he was like, go back to Canada. <laughs> do your thing. So I came here and I went straight to the doctor as well. Yeah. And the first thing, like I gave my freaking huge dossier of like results and everything to the doctor and she sees this thing and she's just looking at me talking and she puts it down and starts talking to me and and i'm explaining all these things and what happened and what happened previous to this and she says uh, i think you're going through like a very hard time in your life and i think this is anxiety i think that you had a panic attack yeah and i got super upset I was like, you cr- no. I was like, this is physical. Like, this is actually happening to me because that's what you think, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like this is this is this is my body. This is not my mind, and and I'm not crazy. You know the thing that yeah. they say uh, that I said too. And she was like, okay, fine. I understand. I'll check your dossier still, but I want you to go see this person, which is a psychiatrist basically, yeah, yeah. and just go as an appointment. Just let's just go through every single possibility here, and let's just do that. And, uh, and so I went to see the psychiatrist. This All this is at McGill. And um, so I go and I talk to this person and all. And, and this doctor says, you know, I don't think that you need any of these uh, major steps to take in the mm-hmm. psychiatry side of things. Go to talk to this uh, counselor. And so slowly, very, very slowly in me started to... Sink in that that was a real possibility, mm. that the stress and that the anxiety that I was feeling, it was com- or, or or all the symptoms that I was feeling in my body, in my it's com- it was coming from me. It was coming from inside my head. Mm. Yeah. It was a psychosomatic thing. Yeah. It's and crazy I, how that I works. never I didn't really consider that for like months. I, and it was myself, you know, I guess. You know, if you've never really felt this before in your life, it's really hard to explain to people. And that's why I think that the taboo comes from, because it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never felt this. Yeah. I've, I've been worried, sure. And I've been stressed, but I've never been feeling like there's nothing else for me to do in, in yeah. life. It, it's a thing that if you haven't really gone through it, you don't know it. Yeah. Again, it's really hard for you to grasp it. So amazing that you went through the steps to, you know, get help and to get better, man. Right? I mean, like that's that's Im- imperative to do anything. <laughs> forget about the arts, forget about yeah. anything, to do to be a good person living, you know.
0: That's the thing too, is you don't wanna you don't wanna wear yourself out and then have a complete breakdown where you can't actually do what you love doing. Right. You know? Right. And yeah, I mean yeah, I remember, you know. Going on the, and I mean, you go on the meds and, you know, you've, your body's going through a change as well. And that's kind of when I had my panic attack too. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you know, I probably a couple couple days in and uh, yeah, you just kind of feel like, oh my God, I think I'm having a heart attack. I yeah. called up, my I was like, Charlotte, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm tripping balls right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, can you... Take me to the hospital. She's right. like, oh, I'm, I'm out having drinks with the friend. I can't <laughs> drive right now. I was like, Oh, okay. And then oh, so it was great. She called it. She called an ambulance yeah. and she sent uh, her partner Martin and um, Ian over. And I was like, completely. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I still remember everything clearly. Wow. Like I remember just rolling on the ground, being like, What is happening yeah. to me? And yeah. And then you're like. Uh, you know, then the ambulance comes. You know, yeah. And, we get, and then we had to sit in the hospital for six or seven hours because it's the middle of a night on like a Thursday in Lewisham, and yeah. it's you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just kind of eventually sorted itself out. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had one since, which is which is quite nice. But yeah. um, like, your body can only handle so much. Well, I think that's the next stage of all this
1: is that you perhaps have had the beginning of one, but you know it. Yeah. You you kind of like, uh, you are aware that yeah. that's happening and the panic part of it is canceled because you kind of, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you know that you take a walk or you take a break from things mm-hmm. or whatever, take your mind off things. I think it's also... Um, a learning process in that in that area as well. Just yeah. learning to know your own, you know, reactions to things yeah, and, yeah, and all yeah. that. I think it is a human thing, man. I, it's not, it's absolutely nothing crazy about this. To be honest with you, I did have that view from this beforehand because I, I was in university and there was a person who was going through this. And my opinion, and I'm really ashamed of saying this, but because that's what I thought at the time, but my opinion was like, these rich people don't know what to do with their fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> so they're looking for something to, you know, get attention from. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. And then when I went through it myself, I was like, holy fuck, I, I feel so bad of having thought that of, you know, of anybody. Yeah. And so I think uh, the more we can be open about this, the more understanding there is and the more ways of helping other people yeah. there are.
0: What was uh, what was good, actually, when I was like working at Goldsmiths at the time is um, they were very... Mm. you know, accommodating. Right. I feel like so many people that worked within, you know, the administration had suffered from something. So I don't know if it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, does that job just attract (laughs) those Like, uh, you know, people with mental illness or, you know, does the job cause it? (laughs) Right. uh, But no, it's, uh, they were really great Mm -hmm. and uh, understanding. And yeah, I just... just being in a better place now, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, y- you meet like a really great person. Yeah. You're married. That's amazing. Come back to Canada. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I feel like like once I was talking to somebody and they were telling me, you know, getting more mature in life doesn't mean that you will stop worrying about the things that you usually do. No. Those things will always be there. Yeah, of and, course. And what really means maturing and, or like growing is that you don't give a shit about them anymore. <laughs> yeah, And I, I do believe that, you know, I think that, you know, you get to know yourself better and you get to know the reactions that you have to things. And with that, you roll in a yeah. easier fashion. Right. And, and again, like whatever chemical help you need, like, I mean, why not, man, is there. Well,
0: that's Just, a, For me, like, that's what the meds do. It's yeah. like, you kind of, you're kind of in a mid range. Right. Like when I talk to people about it, it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a good middle, right? Never really hit hit a bottom, right? And I, you know, I mean, I, I think I'm, you know, I can be very happy, but I don't know if there's any sort of top to that. But, um, you know what what that does is it is it keeps me in a middle, yeah. and um, I don't dwell on things. So mm-hmm. I know in the past, where if something, you know, somebody might have said something, or you know, I would have sat there for. Days, maybe even a week or so, or even longer, just being like, "Why? Like, what? This, you know, why did this person say this? Or yeah. what do they really mean by that?" And yeah. you know, just constantly, constantly, and then you know, get really worked up, and then mm-hmm. you know, you just put all these scenarios in your head, and it's those don't exist anymore. No, like, I just, I cannot think that way anymore. Yeah, and I do, I can still tell though when when things do get rough, and it's almost like my brain is like fighting it. It's like, no, you're not going there. You're not, we're not, we're not, I'm not taking you there. You know, I'm not going to let it happen. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it it does feel awkward because, you know, it's like sometimes maybe you just want to feel like shit or Mm -hmm. you want to feel really down. And um, I think probably those days just end up being about staying in bed a little longer. Right. Whereas, taking your time for yourself, yeah. Yeah, Whereas, I don't, yeah, I can't, I don't have those feelings of overwhelming dread and paranoia and just it's gone. Yeah,
1: I'm super happy to hear that. Thanks. Like, honestly, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. And, um,
0: you've only known the good me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, serious. I mean, but that's it. That's what I'm talking about here. Like, it's, and that's why I love these long form conversations because to have this opportunity to, you know, see even what I was saying before about knowing the artist and then looking at their work. This informs what the work is, where the work is coming from. And I think, you know, the more real you get with anybody looking at your work, the more enjoyable. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I don't, I mean, and I, yeah, I, I completely understand. I mean, my mm-hmm. work—you know—I mean, some people's work would be completely about their right. depression of or course. you know yeah. their, you know, whatever they they suffer from. But um, I mean, yeah, if I think about it, I mean, you know, my work is about space, finding a space, there you and go. maybe that's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. the, it's that looking for that that comfortable place that I can that I can be myself yeah. in or.
1: No, but I think no, no. in the complexity of who you are as a person and as an artist, you know, there's there's many things in the mix. Yeah, you no, know, absolutely. there's there's not only this or that or like your tri- your trips or your residencies. It's all that in yeah. one. But I think that this is one of them. Yeah, and and it's it's also important to know it.
0: And it comes back to just having a comfortable community around you.
1: Exactly. You know, thanks for sharing that. I really, I really appreciate this. You too. Yeah.
0: I gave a talk recently at Concordia, um, just one of the MFA sort of visiting, visiting talks, which is, which is really cool because I got to look at, you know, the work that I've been doing, that I'm doing now and sort of seeing the trajectory from, because I started with a few paintings from my undergrad and just kind of going through them, getting prepared for that talk it also helps you to understand where you are at the present moment. Yeah. And, you know, it was nice to kind of talk uh, or see your sort of rundown first. Mm-hmm. Like th- these are the things that we could talk about. Yeah, um, Sure. It's like certain, certain stories I've told other people and they, you know, they sometimes sound repeated after a while, but it's like, well, no, yeah. but it's nice to kind of, to go through all of that and, you can sit back and you can appreciate it all. You're yeah. like, wow, you know, I've I've uh, gone through th- I've gone, things. <laughs> yeah, I've gone through some things. <laughs> no, <laughs> all that's so the sure. things.
1: <laughs> no, but I think it also um, allows for the opportunity. What you mentioned about. Uh, Sitting down and, and saying like okay so I need to talk about all these experiences in me like what what is that on me like yeah. what what is the impact that has had on me really yeah. all this stuff and I think it's a it's a good exercise as well yeah. for sure
0: yeah, yeah no for sure
1: that's great and um I just want to say again thanks a lot for this opportunity of talking to you and uh, thanks for having me you yeah. Thank know you. wish you always the best to be and, uh,
0: part of the. Uh...
1: <laughs> The into the this into community. Canon. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Trevor Kiernander, and I hope you had enjoyed it as much as I did. Big thanks to Arcadia Lands for sound engineering and original music, and to Victor Garibay for his always amazing visual designs. Of course, also big thanks to Trevor Kernander for all his patience in waiting for this episode to be released. I am the host of this podcast, Marks, and we'll be back soon with another episode about contemporary arts. In the meanwhile, happy holidays and stay safe.